you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast has no blind spot. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 2016 over yet? Can't wait. Why? Why the, is that? With, Why, the, what's, with, the, with the very yeah. notable exception of my son. Yeah. Harry, Harry being boring. This is one of the worst years ever. <laughs> and I don't even care to get into specifics, but it goes all over the map. Um, and uh, the Jets are certainly mm. a part of that, uh, which we'll get to a little later. It extends beyond the, your football team. Eat, yeah. Eat a giant butt 2016. <laughs> Smell you later. Mm. That's where I'm coming. And I don't think I'm alone. No. Some some you know great people have passed passed away. You know the world has been a little crazy. It's been good for the old Zeuser though. The old the, that's uh, what I can't, the end around yeah. the end around started this year as its own um, as its own page nfl.com slash end around. That's big. I'm time. not grateful for the good things in life, Greg. I, I can't get focus my focus on the negative. I don't know if you're talking about world events and the passing of multiple artists, or if you're talking personally because you're typically a cheerful person. This is quite a unexpected it's, dose of negativity. He hasn't had much sleep. It's starting to weigh on me. The weight of the world. But you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to push through it. This is the forum to, you know, to break it down, especially in the first couple minutes of what is otherwise a football podcast. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. So I'll, maybe I'll really dig deep a little later in the show. But we got a lot to get to today um, as 2016 mercifully draws to a close. <laughs> <What>? It's okay. <laughs> Uh, the, the Around the NFL Podcast Tuesday edition, sponsored, of course, by Mr. Flames Economics Class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. F. On today's show, we will break down the Monday Night Massacre at the Meadowlands. Um, we will uh, preview what a great slate of primetime games. Uh, you know, I'm just going to spin positive. Great primetime games in week 14 of the NFL schedule, uh, starting with Thursday night. Oakland at Kansas City, NFC West uh, lead on the line. 
Uh, we have not heard from our friend Connor Orr, so we're going to play one of our favorite uh, exercises. Are you kidding me? Connor, in a drunken state, told me a couple weeks ago that he really had something to get off his chest. Ugh. Was unable to do it last week. Scheduled conflict. So um, that drunken Thanksgiving night text. Now we're going to find out what that's all about. Can't all right, wait. I'm looking forward to that too. See you getting better. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we will play a game uh, uh, called, uh, hey, uh, do you want to be in my shoes? No, thank you. I would rather be in some others. There you go. <laughs> so both of the that little, you know, mini play, one act play was part of the title is what you're saying. It's not just the Dan part. Is Mark's part. Is That's part the of name the, of the yeah. segment. Okay. Get up to speed. Mark's, <laughs> Greg's a little bit behind because he stepped out of our planning meeting today Stop. to go film a live hit on NFL Network. I was just trying to clarify the bit for all the listeners. NFL uh, Network's there. Greg Rosenthal had a hit. He had a, he had a slink out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now you too, Sid? Wow, for once, Sid I know someone other I thought than new, myself. I thought new money would recognize new money, but... I would <laughs> normally defend Greg in this situation, but the facts are that he didn't know the name of the segment because of his star turn on NFL Network. No, that's, yeah. Oh, literally, that's a, yeah. You were not involved with this planning. But I, I believe that you will step up even with your – you don't have a lot of time, obviously. Because the meeting so, was much later than it ever is. You were really stretched thin this morning and this afternoon because of your NFL Network. Team. I don't want to add to your <laughs> the year that you're having. It's been a tough year. But – I would say that probably what you should have done is at that point you were sort of operating as a showrunner. You should have told Greg's assistant about what the show was, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. You're right. It's on you. All right, let's start with some Monday Night Football. F2016! This is the worst year. I can't wait till 2017. It must be better or else. At MetLife Stadium, the New York Jets entered 3-8. and eight. The Indianapolis Colts entered 5-6, and six, needing the game in a big way. And the Colts delivered an effort that you would expect from a team that needed a win. The Jets delivered an effort from a team that looks like it's already checked out for the season. Play action. Again, great protection. Andrew's going to step up and throw. Caught for a touchdown by Dwayne Allen. Two in a game, a 21-yard pass. He's got two TD receptions, 17 on his career, and four this year, and the crowd is really on the Jets. 13-0 Colts, and we still have 7.45 to go in the first quarter. Final score, 41-10. to The Colts hand it to the Jets on national television, really embarrassed uh, the franchise. Andrew Luck ended up throwing four touchdowns in the game, no interceptions, sacked just once. Uh, Dwayne Allen had three of those four touchdown receptions. So everything the Colts um, did, and let's start with the Colts, Chris Wessling. Everything that the Colts did on offense worked. Everything on defense worked. This was the perfect Colts performance, right? I don't think anyone on this podcast is going to take the position that the Colts are a good NFL team outside of the AFC South. 
keeping that in perspective. But they're getting better throughout the season. We have this sour taste in our mouths from September when their entire defense seemed to be banged up. I believe they're 4-1 in their last five games with Andrew Luck as the starting quarterback. They're getting better throughout the season, and they're a much better team than the New York Jets. Yeah, let's let's start with the Colts. We can talk about the Jets' disaster. But Andrew Luck, even though those first two drives are what everyone's going to remember – the, the receivers, especially Dwayne Allen, were so wide open. The effort from the Jets and the confusion, it was just embarrassing. I would say the most embarrassing primetime game any team's had all year. Andrew Luck, after that point, made a lot of really impressive throws under pressure into tight windows, and it continues a trend. Andrew Luck is playing like a top three or four quarterback right now. And I know it was the Jets, but those throws, doesn't matter who you're making it against. I think the Colts should feel really good about this. They did what they had to do, and I think they're in great position for yeah, the I don't, playoffs. I don't like when people say, oh, well, it came against the Jets. Right. Because what you did is you put up 41 points. Could have been 51 with a few at, little breaks. Barring one of the worst rules the NFL has, which right. you, you guys both tweeted about last night, the fact that Jack Doyle does, has that possession yanked away from the Colts. I mean, that would have – talk about a halftime exclamation point right before the half, that touchdown that should have been. I it, This was the Colts saying, look, it, the AFC South has issues, but we are here to tell you that we're not going to be ripped off the scene in the next week or two. The AFC South includes the Colts till the very end. I don't think any team, and I count the Browns, and I count the 49ers, would have uh, lost to the Jets in this night. So I, I have to keep it a little bit in perspective that – the the home team no showed completely, but if you if you're a Colts fan, you need you you're feeling good right now because they, you, they swept the Titans. Yeah. They, they won in Lambeau. T. Y. Hilton right now is the number two receiver in the NFL in yards, and he's making deep plays. They have two good tight ends. They have Moncrief back. Gore's you know gets the job done. They have a top five quarterback. It, I think this is a little bit of a dangerous team. If you have a home game in the playoffs with this team, they could win. But a they game. have all sorts of things the Texans don't have. I just I. I think we we all kind of viewed that it's the Titans or the Colts that we would like to see come out of the South, not the Texans. And for it starts right at quarterback. I I don't think it extends really beyond quarterback. Take the other 52 players on the Texans over the 52 (laughs) players on the Colts. Right. Bob Lamy with that call, by the way. Um, uh, Sid, uh, let's now talk a little bit about the Jets. And why don't we start this time uh, with uh, the thoughts Really, for the last time this season, at least before we get to the free to free agency from Keith Hansis, because the Jets don't deserve anything more from from Keith, who's gone through enough. Let's hear from Keith. His name is Keith. He's Dan's dad. No doubt about it, he's a big Jets fan. What is he gonna say about the game today? What is he gonna say about the game today? A Monday night game is. Showcase of the NFL for the week, and the Jets looked absolutely terrible. Uh, 41-10 final. I think this game, the uh, players, the coaches, and the organization, the owners all should be ashamed of themselves. In particular, the players look like they quit, and uh, there's nothing worse than pro football to see than to see that. And um, so it was a very uh, Discouraging loss to see them just give up like that. That's it. Thanks. Bye. Look what you've done to my dad. You shame on you, New York Jets. This is 
Um, these the dark days are back in a big way for the Jets right now, and the, and I thought Rich Samini of ES, Rich Samini, the beat writer for ESPN, who's covered the team for years and years, said it well as the game was unfolding yesterday that there was the shades or there was a, a an air of butt fumble uh, at the at the Meadowlands because it was one of those. Uh, unique Jets nights where it just seems anything is possible in terms of uh, embarrassment, in terms of how bad can get, get, how bad can it get? Oh my God, it just got worse. And I thought the 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 message is being sent by Jets fans. That stadium was uh, a third empty uh, at the beginning of the game. It was half empty by halftime, and no one was there but Colts fans for the last quarter. Jets fans are done with it. I mean, we're, we're back headed towards a rebuild, but we're, we never had any moment of glory. It's not like, oh, well, we made our shot and we made our deep playoff run or we got to a Super Bowl or we won a Super Bowl. No, it's like, oh, you, you kind of won 10 games in a fluky way, and now it's back into a deep rebuild. That's where they are right now. This is a nightmare situation, and the quarterback position is at the heart of it, but there's a lot of issues right now, and even Todd Bowles, who I didn't have a big issue with uh, this season. I know it's been a bad year for a lot of people, but this game, to me, got me thinking, is Todd Bowles even safe? Because if these players quit and they go 3-13, and watch out. Well, he was as... That's a hot butt, potentially, here. I, I don't think it should be, but I wouldn't rule anything out with Woody Johnson based on his you know track record. Todd Bowles was as furious as he's ever going to be after that game, just saying how it was embarrassing to get your ass kicked. He said the words ass kicked about 20 different times. And when you're discouraging a guy who's usually so even keeled like Todd Bowles and you're getting Keith Hansis that down and you're getting John Gruden, who loves football more than any announcer, to really hammer this team throughout the game and point out a fact that that Jets fans – don't don't want to hear, but you know it's fair to point out that Bryce Petty. It, it, there's a reason he hasn't been on the field. He didn't look like he doesn't look like a guy that should be on the field starting NFL games. Okay, you want to see him? I get it. That's fine. He's a fourth round pick though. And Gruden point out, watch the film of the first game. He's just they just don't have an option right now. Geno Smith was that option. It sounds strange, but they would have been a lot better a lot better off with Geno Smith at least taking a look at him because Petty. The next four games, I mean, now you go to San Francisco. Not that we need to I, get into that, but it's like they're dis- the worst team in the league. They're I, right there. I disagree on Geno Smith. I disagree with J- uh, John Gruden's statement that uh, the Jets might bring back Geno Smith. Geno Smith is not the answer in right. the short term or the long term. And, yeah. The- His point was just that Petty, Petty is not a guy you want playing football raw. right now. That's why I think Petty should have gotten into this season two games ago because if you're going to take a look at him, take a look at him. And you know what? It's not going to be pretty. And that's why the Jets might not win another game this year. Uh, but this is the position you are now in. And it's it just there's no there's no good way to spin it They're and They have the worst quarterback situation uh, in the league uh, to me. It, the Browns are right there, obviously. But it, there's really not a lot of hope at the position right now. I mean, they're both the both of those quarterback positions are in such an abyss that it's it's not about one or two. I you know, you're having a bad 2016 and you were singing during the Monday Night Football anthem about a better 2017. But my concern for the Jets would be this, that you and the NFL cannot – there is no quick fix right. team building. And, and it, the 10-6 and six season last year was not an utter mirage, but, it, but a lot happened um, in the right way where maybe it could have prevented some deeper team building uh, maneuverings that, that should have taken place. You need a younger roster. You need some guys to build around. you got to give McCagnin a chance. Charlie Castle was saying it on NFL Network, and look, he was involved in this hiring, so 
you know, that, that's worth noting. But he noted what an incredible rebuild it was two years ago, how barren the entire roster was of anyone on the team that was valuable that the team had drafted. So you got to give him time. I, I totally agree with, with more time. It's just that I think that the path out is not, hey, let's go sign the next big guy that New Yorkers can get around and Tony hope Romo. that it's the hope that it's well whatever it is especially not necessarily it's Romo. you're not one quarterback away the New York Jets are are farther away than that and you if you want to do it right sometimes you got to take a step back to go forward what do you do a quarterback i mean this idea that the Todd Bowles has to apologize when he sees Bryce Petty up close and personal every day and knows he's not ready to run an offense he has to apologize for not playing him earlier is laughable Bryce Petty isn't ready to play. You only get ready by, to play by playing. And That's getting, not the only way you get ready. There, there's Especially a, when you're a fourth-round pick right. who came from a college offense nowhere close to I, Getting first-team reps in practice and getting actual work in. I mean, I think this is the only way to get a look at a guy is to, to right. play him and get Ryan Fitzpatrick but out of the pick. To me, uh, that's fine now that the season's totally lost and – there's not a huge detriment, although they could put up performances like this for another four weeks, which is not going to be well, fun. Well, there's an effort issue going on in that right. locker room as well, which is a really disturbing thing. It was telling, but they they told you everything that you needed to know when they kept Geno Smith. You know, they they said this is not a guy in Bryce Petty that we have particularly high hopes for. People thought he might get cut. He's from you know, the he's previous a, he's a, regime. He's a fourth round pick, which on average, you know, half of them don't make it to their third, you know, fourth season. Just got to get a look at him. Well, one thing, though, yeah, you, yeah, you just drafted a second-round quarterback in the last draft. So I don't know how many more you guys are going to keep drafting. I, I keep just, drafting. And not, keep this drafting. Is, one last thing on the Jets stand. Sorry, but like I, I feel for your dad. I feel for Jets fans. But I can't think of another team that gave up on a game like the Jets did last night. All season long, I've watched every Browns game. Yeah. And if you watch the Bears even, they are playing with more effort. That is a massive red flag for a GM and a coach. Massive red flag. If you draft a guy in the second round, don't you sort of expect that by December you can give him a shot to play? Normally, Why not draft yes. him in the fifth round? If Normally, you yes. For whatever reason, Hackenberg kind of came in as this guy who was going to be a project, whether that was smart or not, you know, in a draft where there was a lot of options. And they but. made the uh, somewhat controversial decision to keep four quarterbacks, which means he's not getting any look, any they, work at all, uh, except for the scout. And, your and po- wasn't a good college quarterback, And, by and the way. we'll move on, but your point about Bowles is fair because that's a game Woody Johnson is sitting there with the vice president-elect of the country – while the half-empty crowd is booing what's left of a no-effort team, it's the type of game that if it if it happens a few times, I mean at least things the, happen. The vice president-elect at least is used to that uh, treatment at this point. But <laughs> very true. Um, all right, great Monday night football game. Let's move on now, <laughs> and uh, this is a um, a segment, uh, and you could put any member of the, the Jets in this, but let's steer away from them now. Uh, the name of this segment, gentlemen. Hey, uh, do you want to be in my shoes? Uh, no, thank you. I would rather be in some others. <laughs> All right, Mark, get us going. Well, the shoes that I don't want to be in is the shoes of Blake Bortles, mm. the Jaguars quarterback. Now, that's almost potentially being too specific because there aren't a lot of people inside that organization whose shoes I'd want to be in. But I think specifically, if you want to point to the most depressing aspect of what's happened to a team that had was heavily trumped up 
by members of this podcast. I'm pointing to myself for the past three years. And really the media in general, a team people thought was just turning the corner and had a lot to do with everything we loved about Blake Bortles a couple years ago, the next Big Ben, rah, rah, rah. And instead, (laughs) we've got a player that has devolved into utter chaos on the field. And you never thought of all the team needs they might have that they might have to think about finding another quarterback this offseason. A lot of that pressure, a lot of that fault rests at the feet. Of Blake Bortles, I don't want to be at the feet or in the shoes. <laughs> He's gonna have to face some competition, Blake Bortles. I don't think they just hand him that job again. It's gonna be like Geno Smith. It's gonna have to be a new. There's gonna be a new coach. It's hard to really yeah. you know, anticipate that. It's gonna be up to that new coach, but it's hard to imagine that Blake Bortles is just gonna coast into starting. Well, they're not gonna today. give up on him. You know, I don't think they're just gonna cast him out. Right. I mean, that would be the ultimate reversals if they cut ties with him and and move forward. We don't see that happen. Unless like Tom Coughlin pulls some sort of, uh, you know, Al Pacino, any given Sunday move where he gets the Jaguars job again. There's been whisperings of that and then trades the first round pick for Eli Manning. And then Blake Bortles is out the door. Put yourself in Shad Khan's shoes. You hired David Caldwell and Gus Bradley and were very patient with them to bring about this rebuilding effort, and they sold you on Blake Bortles as the face of the franchise. Are you really going to give up on that investment in Blake Bortles, or are you going to hire the best offensive coach, the best quarterback guru you can, fix that delivery, or spend all offseason trying to fix that delivery and hope you see 2015 Blake Bortles again next year? Maybe, but would it surprise you if Blake Bortles is the backup to Jay Cutler or Tony Romo in week one or something like that? Yes. It would? Yeah, I don't think Tony Romo would go to Jets. Not Romo. Cutler, not a Romo because of the situation. And I think Cutler would be too expensive to pair with Blake Bortles. My feeling is that next August we'll be reading a lot of stories about how Blake Bortles' mechanics have been cleaned up by new offensive coordinator X or quarterback coach Y, and the Jaguars are confident he'll return to his 2014 form. That's what I – and I think he'll be this unquestioned starter going into week one. I don't know if he'll keep the job, but that's that's how I see it. I would put – a sandwich on that agreeing with you that Mark Sessler will be writing an article in (laughs) at some point between May and August that Blake Bortles has cleaned (laughs) up his mechanics. Don't even think about that. It's going to be put in your lap (laughs) and you're going to be writing it. Hey, Hey, Mark. Yeah. You want to be in my shoes? No, thank you. I would rather be in some others. Wes? Uh, this isn't too far away from Blake Bortles. I don't want to be in Howie Roseman's shoes. Whoa, Howie. How quickly things change. Swam through the muck and mire to come out clean on the other side. He did. They picked Carson Wentz, who is now going through some of the same issues Blake Bortles has with his delivery, a long looping windup, the ball down at his waist. Uh, last week's game against the Bengals, six passes batted at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Three intercepted, three more dropped by the Bengals. Wow. Could have been six interceptions and six six batted passes. He has regressed. This week, Doug Peterson comes out and says his issues are strictly mechanics. Wentz comes out and says, no, no, it's not my mechanics. When you throw that many passes, things are going to happen. It's an issue. And and I'm not saying that he's the same as Blake Bortles. I think that he he checks all of the boxes when we saw him in September. He's what you want. He's going to be diligent in the classroom. He's committed to football. I think he checks a lot of the boxes. But then you also have a coach 
I'm, I'm, if you can't tell, I can't get over this, that he challenged a two-yard completion. <laughs> and Doug Peterson that we saw in September, who looked like a bright coach, he's done some stupid things in the last mm. month. And now Carson Wentz is on pace to shatter the Eagles' single-season pass attempts record as a rookie. That's not how you develop a quarterback. Yeah, but I, I think of Howie and what the team that they took over. And he's sort of in year one of making it a Howie team again. And maybe they'll win seven games. Maybe they'll win six games. That's going to be three or four games better than last year. I, I don't know about Wentz. I've seen enough in his rookie year that it's a lot more than a lot of really good quarterbacks show. But you felt the same way about Blake Bortles after last year. You were calling him your favorite quarterback to watch. Sure, sure. But as a rookie, I think Wentz has, has shown more and enough smart people, you know, within the Eagles and, and certainly outside, believe in this guy that that I don't know. I feel like that's a great thing to have, Carson Wentz. I don't think that's a detriment. I think that's an asset. Yeah, the one real positive with Carson Wentz versus some rookies to come out, and then the problem with them is you're not convinced after a couple seasons that football is the number one priority, and that may be the case with Blake Bortles, according to who you listen to, that with Wentz, that's not the issue at all. But with with Bortles, we've seen that mechan- as a quarterback, if you have deep mechanical problems – it's not a guarantee that there's a way out of that, and that's a, that's a that's a really concerning thing. We, Greg, you weren't hugely impressed with Derek Carr after his rookie season. I remember that, but it wasn't a mechanical issue. It was other stuff. It was because you do, didn't see you. you just didn't see that was who obviously he was be horribly wrong. But he was it, it, he had one of the lowest yards per attempt in NFL history. In part, I think because he was avoiding making mistakes, which is to his credit. He just kept everything simple and short. And they're throwing everything at Wentz, I think, and making it tough on him. And that's fine. They did it to Eli Manning. He was fine afterwards. If you're going to be a good quarterback, you'll be good. What I don't want to throw too much on Eagles fans here. It's I'm probably being a little negative. I talked to Daniel Jeremiah right before this segment, and he pointed out there is as many similarities in Carson Wentz's delivery with Russell Wilson, hmm. who has a longer wind-up with a quick release as there are with Blake Bortles. I also, yeah, I don't feel bad for Howie either because his favorite season's coming up. I mean, this guy is going to be active in February and March. That's what Howie Roseman lives for, some money, some trades, a little bit of everything. <laughs> That's true. It's fun time. Um, Mark, would you want to be in his shoes? No, I would rather be in some others. <laughs> I will talk about Rick Smith, the general manager of the Houston Texans, who is in a pickle. Well, wow, there's a common denominator here. Yeah, there always is. Um, you know, I I am of the opinion, going back to statements made by ownership of the Houston Texans immediately after their embarrassing playoff ouster last January. Nice use of ouster. Thank you. That Rick Smith was given an ultimatum. Find me a quarterback or else. And Rick Smith did the best he could, and it's very hard, as many teams find out every every winter and early spring, to find a quarterback if you don't have one, especially if you can't do it through the draft necessarily uh, with a high, uh, high pick to get one of the hot prospects. And Rick Smith took that, um, that, that message sent by ownership and went and rolled the dice on Brock Osweiler, who, by all accounts, I would say right now, but anybody that watches the game is a, is a disaster right now. He can't throw downfield. He doesn't have touch. Uh, he doesn't have a good release. He doesn't have good pocket presence. Uh, he does not produce. He's not a quarterback that's producing, and he's young. Not a good sign when the owner tells everyone to leave 
the, the quarterback <laughs> alone. That's like the last sign things are going yeah. really. And it's also another sign that it was the owner who was behind a lot of this, in my opinion. Anyway, he's young, but he's not that young. He's uh, 26 right now. Mm. But the problem and why I don't want to be Rick Smith is what do you do if you're Rick Smith? Because now you have, uh, to use a Wessism, a $37 million boondoggle on your hands with Brock Osweiler. It's really going to limit you uh, in terms of what you could do with resigning your own players, uh, going after another quarterback. Are you going to invest big in another quarterback when you have this monster salary uh, as a backup? Are you going to wash your hands of the season and say, you know what, I'm going to give Brock Osweiler one more shot with, again, great headlines uh, next August. Oh, Brock Osweiler has figured things out this year. No, because Rick Smith, if he survives this season, which I think he will, won't survive if they have another bad season with Brock Osweiler the next year. Catch 22. Don't want to be that guy. I can see this in this situation. If there could be change in Jacksonville, if there could be change somewhere else, I could see the Texans doubling down, digging in really hard and saying, listen, Blake Bortles is essentially a rookie, just like these other quarterbacks. He only had a couple starts coming in. Brock. We're gonna, or Brock Osweiler. We're going to treat him like a, a rookie, and we're going to – you know, we're going to build him up and we're going to build around him and it's going to be an off-season of flowery nonsense about Brock <laughs> Osweiler and then suddenly, colon, September. Better have somebody, uh, well, unless you really believe in that backup quarterback in Houston, you might want to have a better option around. Tom Savage is real. If you're going to actually roll with Brock next year. Well, you know, Brock you can get rid of after 2000. 17 in terms of his contract. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> Sorry, Brock. It's, it's true. Um, Still get your money, buddy. And maybe you can draft someone, another mid-round pick. I mean, who knows? You can start planning for that post-2017. And but that's a long time away. Yeah, and if you're Rick Smith, though, you do have it in your mind that, ooh, I signed that big contract extension through 2020. That money is guaranteed before this season. That was good timing Wait. by old Rick. Pulled yeah, off the Lufthansa good. heist. <laughs> Signing Blake Bortles for $37 million, That's a heist. Uh, Come on. I don't feel bad for Rick Smith. The general manager's job is to find a quarterback, and he's been trying for a lot of years to find a quarterback. All right. Hey, do you want to be that guy's shoes, Mark? <laughs> no, thank you. I would rather be in some others. Wow. I was still on the fence between two guys here, but that music convinced me <laughs> that Bob McAdoo, Ben McAdoo, is the right choice <laughs> because that's the type of music you can imagine. You can imagine Ben McAdoo rocking out to. You can just see him in his basement, like yeah, just oh yeah, putting together his nine-page laminated sheets of different, out. different plays, moving out. You know, and he's just like rocking. He's like, man, it used to be so much more fun in Green Bay when I had Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> And everything, and it used to be fun when we were eight and three and beating on all those lousy teams. Because I don't think it's good to be the coach really of, like of a paper tiger. Oh yeah, when he's in the basement, yeah. it does. It's 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 not good to be the coach of a paper tiger team. Oh, oh. on the edge of a cliff, about to fall off oh. as winter is coming, as Wes has said. Because there, it there is. Wes no, said that. There is no more, <laughs> no more uncomfortable position than a free-falling New York team, especially with an aging quarterback and a lot of expensive pieces. And and, and the media so much more concerned with whatever Odell Beckham right. does on the sidelines and, than the quarterback with a weak arm. And, uh, and really, 
I, I was trying to think of a guy who, what, what shoes don't you want to be in? You don't want to be in the shoes when you're kind of at the top and things are about to get a lot worse. That's the worst. Because I don't think McAdoo has answers. That's the problem. He's Wes got is, a lot of answers on that play script he's got <laughs> with multiple pages flipped over. <laughs> Post-it I, notes hanging off. What are they, eight and four? Uh, let's calm down here. Well, that's my, I'm, I'm. Paper Tigers, correct. I, I'm putting almost a prediction in here because I wouldn't want to be his next month is going to be uncomfortable okay. when you lose to You're the really Cowboys. Forward. I, I mean, do you, you feel this is like Jimmy Johnson taking over the Dolphins at the end of Dan Marino's career, which mm. ultimately just ended in Jimmy Johnson, you know, jumping ship at some point? I I wouldn't put him I'm that. just saying there's a lot of like bad shoes to be in, and I know the Giants might have a struggle ahead, but a lot of people would love – ask Todd Bowles. He'd love to be 8-4 and four right now <laughs> heading into the second week of December. What was your Take other one, Greg? <laughs> I don't know. I like where Greg's at, though, because according to Greg, which I don't think this is bad reasoning, Ben McAdoo's already reached the highest highs he's going to Right. Reach. It's only going to Todd Bowles can rebuild this Jets and, and get better. I would say this. Here's what's in his, what's in his corner. And it's not just the songs and tunes down in his basement and whoever he is he's talking down there. It sounds, yes, like, yeah. it sounds like himself. But that is an extremely patient organization that does not yank coaches. No, I don't think he's going to get, get really fired rough. or anything. I also say, listen, I get, I hear you with the Giants, and they're not, they're not an eight and three team, and they're probably going to get waxed maybe pre playoffs if they even make the playoffs. But they did make some improvements on defense, which was a major problem for recent Giants teams. There are a couple young players to build around. I think the issue is if, if Eli Manning's arm is actually permanently reduced from a strength angle. And I'm not suggesting that anything's permanent. No, but if that's if that seems to be the way it is going forward, then you've got lingering issues. I, you know. Wes, your thoughts on Victor Cruz, who says, I am not complaining about my reduced role in this offense. I am not throwing up a sting. I'm a good teammate, Victor Cruz. Your thoughts? Who's Victor Cruz? Oh, how dare you. He's the Mr. Salsa Man. What's he average, like one catch a game this year? Oh. <laughs> Let's that. treat him like an all-pro. Uh, oh, Christopher. Mark, you asked, it, you know, who is the other option? It was going to be Joe Chargers fan. I would not want to be a Chargers fan for the next Ooh, one. I like that one. For the second straight year, they're going to get stuck with a, is this the final game in our 57-year history or not? I don't even know. That the or fact, being an 8-4 and four coach. Right. I don't know which one you should that, the fact that The <laughs> fact that that's an annual occurrence now and their team is could very well be yanked away right when they have a nice-looking roster. Find me another fan base that had 57 years and then had their team taken away. I don't think there is one. You know what the worst thing you could say to Chargers fans is like, oh, you guys would be okay. The weather's great down there. <laughs> tacos. <laughs> Have a taco. <laughs> you live in Stick paradise. Stick it up your ace. I had to throw that in there to set up my whole book deal plan. That's Oh, oh as if that's not already been, been set up. Well, well no, I know. mayor of yeah. San Diego? Yeah. You to, yeah. <laughs> You're like halfway through draft two. <laughs> NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal. That is it for, um, for that Segment. Good segment, guys. Good seg. <laughs> All right, let's talk the Thursday night football preview. Uh, the Oakland Raiders traveling to Kansas City. And, Greg, could you remind me a little bit uh, briefly about what happened Ooh. the first time these two teams played? This is where I wish I had my other early season notebook. I could just flip through and find Ooh. out what I said. But let me tell you, the Chiefs, defense especially, 
dropped a bomb on the Raiders. Really the only game all season I, I can think of where the Raiders were dominated physically. It was a bad weather game. Spencer Ware ran all over them. The Chiefs' defense really pushed Oakland around. It was 26-10, to 10, and, and I don't even know if the score shows how lack non-competitive it was. If that was the only game you watched all year, you would think these are the mm. 2013 Raiders. So it was, it was a really impressive performance by Kansas City. So Chris Wessling, should we expect more of the same, or is this going to be a totally different game on Thursday in Kansas City? Well, I agree with Greg. That was one of the most impressive one-sided victories of the season between two good teams. But the Raiders are different. They now have the stronger running game between the two teams. And their offense is getting better, it seems, every week. I think the Raiders are – they're hitting their stride offensively, and I don't think the Chiefs are, although we do expect Jeremy Macklin to come back. Mm. And that is that cannot be oversold. He is a difference maker for their, their offense. I think there is probably not a tougher assignment than to go play a good Chiefs team in Kansas City in prime time. That is, on a, in a short week, that is rough. These teams know each other well, though. And, yes, maybe Kansas City played the most physical game against Oakland the first time around. But I'd ask you to go watch the Bills game because Buffalo beat up Oakland. They beat up Oakland's defense, and they controlled both, both lines early in that game. They were up 24-9, to and I found that what might be different about this Raiders team last Sunday versus the Week 5 loss to the Chiefs, the Week 6 loss, is that mid-game, Oakland picked up the pieces, found a way out of their problems, and poured it on offensively. I think this this Raiders team cannot be – you can shut them down for a half. Yeah, it's not going to happen cannot again. shut them down they for They score four so quarters. fast. They're yeah. almost like the Panthers last year. When they score, it's like an avalanche they, of Vic points Carucci from the Buffalo Times, and this is not the first case, this is the first time this has happened with Rex Ryan, that he looked, at, in quotes, absolutely stunned. After that loss, I don't think Rex Ryan had any idea How what impressive. happened to him. How impressive was what the Raiders did down 24-9 and then just went off. And one more thing, Kansas City has won four or five at home. They had that weird blip on the radar against Tampa Bay. But otherwise, they're always a good home team. The Raiders are one of only three teams in the league that are undefeated. They're 5-0 and on the road. So the, the Raiders, not only are they getting it done in their building, uh, they, they're really good on the road. They don't wilt. Uh, this, this is a really good team that, like Wes said, I think is hitting the stride, and I'm not going to pick against them. I, I, I will. I, I think they're a better team than the Chiefs but I think playing on the road in Arrowhead and the crowd noise Whoa. there and then the pass rushers that Kansas City has now. So you you have Justin Houston, who who's has a million sacks the last couple of weeks. You have D Ford back, and you have Tamba Ali, who's been making some noise now finally the last few weeks. So this is – Carr hasn't been used to getting much pressure. They're going to get some pressure on him at least at home. A tough spot. Khalil Mack could win defensive – uh, player of the year and be the second best pass rusher in this game. That's a fair point. I mean, Justin Houston, people, I mean, people two years ago, he was as good as any player not named J.J. Watt in the league d- defensively. I, I, I do wonder, um, I do wonder with the Chiefs, like can, if it is a shootout, can they win that type of game? Well, I think the Chiefs, if anything, I would say absolutely not, except then, the, then comes the Falcons game from last week. And you have to say right. they use creativity they used the weapons they had in the best way possible. Andy Reid is doing a phenomenal coaching job. And the only way I think Oakland wins this, I'm going to pick Oakland, but I, I'm going to say this is going to happen in a way 
that is not not fluky, but Oakland's won some games where you say, whoa, what? How did that happen? I think it's going to happen on Thursday night in a game where the Kansas City Chiefs dominate large portions of the game. Sounds like Carl Joseph's not going to play. That's a guy you would think would, would be part of the group covering Travis Kelsey. I think they've made a point instead of this like, oh, let's see if it's a Travis Kelsey game or not. Hey, let's just give the ball to Travis Kelsey seven times every week because he's got four 100-yard games, I think, in the last five five or six, and he, he is something else after the catch. He's wild. If you're, if you're Oakland and they're sitting pretty as the number one seed right now and they're being celebrated for that, you know, rightfully, but if you lose this game, you've been swept by Kansas City, you're now tied with Kansas City in the AFC West, and after seed. that game, you're the five seed. You have to go on the road to, to San Diego, which is a freaky team. You don't know what's going to happen there. You host the Colts, and then you go on the road to Denver in Week 17. You, it, it is the the, you're game. setting the table for a tumble I, if you don't take care I of think, business. I think the urgency will be there for Oakland. And I, after seeing what Carr leading that, that charge in the second half, I, he's my new MVP favorite. I like Derek Carr. This is a huge game, I, I think, in the MVP race like if he has this on a in national prime stage in prime time against a tough I team. expect him to deliver another big performance and and become the favorite in my mind Wes pick this game sir I'm gonna pick the home team and the only strong feeling I have about this game is that I don't understand how anybody has a strong feeling on who's gonna win this game no I'm with you yeah, I mean, no matter what year it is, the Raiders and Chiefs are two teams that know each other so well. This is just your classic late-season divisional game. But I think the reason I have a strong feeling is that in this is not it's not scientific. I think the Raiders are. Probably it's not scientific, but the Oakland Oakland has the feel of one of those teams that just every week you think something's going to happen and knock them off, and they find a way to win. I wouldn't say it's a strong feeling based on. Hey, player X, player Z, going to attack each other this way. It's just that Oakland's kind of just feeling it. Wes, you know that the Raiders have my heart. Yes. Yeah. The heart wants what the heart wants. I feel strongly because I believe in this team and I love this team. Here, here's my strong feeling. People are getting all excited about Jack Del Rio, coach of the year. I get it. That's fine. Get, give me Andy Reid. Give me a, the same two teams on go. both sides of the ball. And Andy Reid's going to win that game over Jack Del Rio's team. Poor I really Bill believe Belichick that. will never win this award. Right. It's an absurd. The whole, the whole award system Hang in there, Bill. from top to bottom could not be more ridiculous. Widely acclaimed the greatest coach of all time. You know, just like Tom. We had the same conversation last week. Tom sleeps okay without every trophy in the world. It is a little Bill's wild fun. that it's, Belichick almost never wins it. I don't he, think Bill sleeps okay. <laughs> uh, there's our Thursday night preview. You don't think Bill sleeps? I think he's right. I, he does not strike me as a guy who's just like, oh, yep, I'm good. Tom sleeps I'm cool. okay. I'm cool. Like, I'm just – I got no worries. I'm Bill Bell. I think he worries about Tormented everything. Tormented soul. Yeah. Okay. Tom Brady probably has a sleep coach. Uh, before <laughs> before we go, uh, as we said before, um, yeah, so many things about 20, 2016 on my radar. One thing that's not is every time this man joins us from his haunted mansion that he pays a mortgage on – uh, in the hillside of uh, of New Jersey, Connor Orr. What's up, fellas? Yes, our New Jersey <laughs> satellite here around the NFL news writer, um, Connor. It's been it's been a bit. Uh, you sent out the bat signal on Thanksgiving night with a couple uh, texts that I suspected came from a saucy state of mind. Is that accurate? That's a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> um, and you said you had something you needed to tell the world about. So where where better than the stage of the Around the NFL podcast in our latest edition of? Are you kidding me? 
What's on your mind? What's grinding your gears, Connor? I don't know if anyone else saw this commercial on Thanksgiving where these grandparents are reading tweets from their granddaughter that's about to come over to their house. And she's like, oh, my grandparents don't have Wi-Fi. Like, keep pouting. I can't watch my favorite shows. And, like, these poor people. She said keep pounding? Go ahead. No, no. I mean, that's what millennials say, though. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, these poor old people are forced into this, like, awful cable package just so their stupid <laughs> granddaughter can come over and play, like, World of Warcraft at their house. It's absolutely infuriating. Who runs this house? Anyway, I pay the bills. <laughs> so what you're saying, Connor, is that the children are dictating the cable package over some silly online video game. I'm saying that this old lady survived freaking Vietnam. Like, her husband was out there pounding the, pounding the sand and, and killing people and trying to fight for this country. And this, and this girl, all she cares about is, like, Snapchat. It's, it's horrible. Just talk to your grandparents about is this home in cool Vietnam? in their life. How was she in I think Great he's Danger? saying that the, she lived through. Oh, lived through. Yeah, her husband, it, her husband probably was in Vietnam. Just, it's big a, difference between survived and lived through. <laughs> That was a quite a. I mean, a rift there, Connor. I think you you have an issue with uh, a millennials and uh, isn't Connor a millennial? Well, he is, but he isn't. But I think B entitlement. You don't like entitlement and grandparents who've been through real life getting pushed around by some child that can't live without technology for an hour. That's what I'm saying, man. My grandmother used to cut the heads off chickens for a living. If I told her to go get Wi-Fi, she'd hit me with a shovel. <laughs> she was a chicken head cutter. Hell yeah. Get over here, chicken. Your life's over. <laughs> um, so you're, even though this happened in a commercial and our overseas listeners probably never seen it, that doesn't matter. This none of us more, have seen it. None I, of us have seen it. No one's ever heard of it. Can I ask it. a question? Yeah, what? Why can't that little kid get a phone? Why do they have to order a cable pack? Mm. Connor? I, the, the whole commercial was, like, absolutely pathetic. And, like, these grandparents at the end are like, I'm so happy we did this to, like, connect. Uh. And it's like, you don't have to do that, man. Like, you know, you, you, you created all this stuff so that, that that little malcontent can live in this planet. You know, it's pathetic. I'm feeling this 100%. Oh, yeah. So this is more a rap against technology. It's almost like a this is like the Black Mirror episode of Connor Orr's Or Are You Kidding Me? <laughs> and watch out for technology because while you think it's making life better, it might be quite the opposite. I, see I don't know, man. I just hope they didn't have to spend any money because, you know, they need it for, like, you know, old people stuff. But, you know, you don't need to be spending money on, on, on Wi-Fi for dumb little kids. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm hearing more of a rant against helicopter parents and indulging every whim of a mm. child. Helicopter grandparenting. I'll tell you what, Connor, you definitely took this issue to the right group, especially the kissing cousins, <laughs> right up their alley. <laughs> Greg, you haven't said anything yet. I, I would... Greg did this to his grandparents, so he's, in a, he's backed into a corner here. I can see that. I, I was wondering if, if anything last night at the game that you went to, Connor, yeah. caught your ire. I, I feel like that was a, a recipe for, or are you kidding me, at, at the Meadowlands. I loved it. I mean, <laughs> I love, uh, I love like, you know, moments that just define, like, insanity. I mean, that, that game was, was the, quite possibly the end of a coach's career and just, like, a total – 
primetime ass kicking. What's not to love about that? That that was great. What was the because ESPN and I wrote about this on Endaround today. Um, by the second quarter, ESPN scrambling to keep people interested was just panning around the Meadowlands, finding sad Jets fans. Um, what was the saddest thing you saw uh, at the game? Um, I, I would have to say, I mean, just the fact that like the crowd suddenly came to life when two topless, like 22 year old boys got tackled on the uh, turf after streaking. But uh, a close second to that would be Todd Bowles clearly never telling Ryan Fitzpatrick that he had taken his last snap. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick standing right behind the curtain next in line for the press conference. And then he just goes, Oh yeah, well, I guess, I guess that's it, you know, and that's how it works, you know. <laughs> Sit down, buddy. He, uh, Bowles did uh, apologize uh, today for saying he could have handled that aspect a little bit better. Um, you think? Yeah. Your your boy, Samini uh, Connor, said that it, there was an air of butt fumble at the Meadowlands. I don't know if you were covering the Jets when the butt fumble occurred four years ago. I was, I was at butt fumble, and uh, <laughs> I will say that uh, there was a large focus on not butt, but ass last night, which Todd Bowles said 13 times <laughs> counted in his press conference. We, uh, sent, we sent Connor to the right game. Yeah, yeah. This was, uh, this was, this was ass-gate. This, was, this, this had all the trappings of, of an ass-kick. Excellent. I uh, feel like we need a Christmas version of Are You Kidding Me before, before the holidays. Well, how about that, Connor? Can you come back the week of Christmas and uh, give us maybe a little um, – you know, Yuletide version of, uh, or are you kidding me? Danny, for you, anything. I love that, man. It's perfect timing. You know, people feeling the joy of the holidays. Take them down a notch. (laughs) Bring them back to where things really exist. Yeah. Because if nothing else, Connor is a man that brings society uh, to its knees with reality. That's it. Or are you kidding me? You still there, Connor? I am. Keep bounding. <laughs> All right. There goes Connor. Or we will be back on Thursday uh, recapping uh, the Oakland-Kansas City game right at the top of the show, one of the best games of the year. The ga- a game I am absolutely certain about my pick. <laughs> <laughs> How you dare fool. you? Huh? You're dare. a fool for thinking that. Uh, Oakland-Kansas City at the top of the show. And then uh, no more buys, folks. So then we will preview 15 uh, games uh, on the NFL schedule for week 14 as we head toward the end of the regular season. Uh, thanks to everyone uh, for listening. Make sure you leave comments and stars. We check them all the time. And who knows, maybe down the road we will read some of those reviews on iTunes on this very show. So thank you for listening. Until then. Until Thursday, I should say. Well, I said that at the end also. Yeah. People are going to know the shows on Thursday. They'll get it. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and new money behind the glass. Again, till Thursday. That's when the show is. He's buried in Culver City, by the way, right underneath NFL Network. Just like we all will be when this studio catches on fire in 24 minutes. (laughs) Wow. Hello. Honestly, if you you think about it, it solves a lot of issues.
Well, Greg wants the podcast shorter, so right off the bat. Yeah. So you're he's the number there. one suspect in the arsenal? I would think so. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm worried I have no retirement savings at all, and I'm 43. You know what? doesn't matter. Be going to be dead in 23 minutes. Malice of forethought. Does not matter at all. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.